Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Today, we are talking about Mistborn, the Hero of Ages, chapters 36, 37, 38, and 39, wherein Alan frets over invading Fadrex. Damu's better, but full of doubts. Yeoman attacks as a distraction to help kill off the Kolos force. And Vin discovers that uh, they, Yo, uh, Yeoman has a Mistborn. And also, uh, the Kolos are made using spikes, which is super creepy and weird. Then we also find out that the one person did not die in the fire, so Spook does count the skulls and figure that out. And then we also find out that uh, Spook is the survivor of the flames. At least that's my assumption. And uh, we learn a little bit about the first contract and see Tensoon has escaped his homeland. And that's where we are this week. Uh, I am Joe, and with me as always is... Data. Jack. And Jamie. Yes, so hold on to something. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. As the tiles of steel and stone crumble to dust, the foundations of our hope begin to rust. Choking fear, screaming sound, as a reaper comes to ground, you turn to face it down because you must. And when the world is lost, Yeah, Coloss Green is people. I don't know how shocking that was for anybody. I feel like I did not see it coming the first time. I thought these Coloss were just something else, their own thing. But uh, anyway, we find out some stuff here. What did you guys think of these four chapters? Oh, man. Well, it's it's all about the spikes. That's what we learned this week, I think. Hemallergic spikes and seem to be basically the building blocks of the Chondra's blessings and the creation of the Coloss. Uh, we get lots of little knowledge nuggets from who I'm going to assume is Sazed. And also uh, from the chapters themselves, I really liked a lot of where this was, was headed. And I think we knew that the Spikes were a big thing because of the Inquisitors and mm. Zane and now Spook. But I really think this really flushes it out for us. It's like, no, no, the Spikes are like the thing. They are the thing that contains all these primordial powers that are given to people or forced into people or whatever you want to say. I think the most interesting part to me was that just creating a spike out of a normal person still gives you part of preservation. Something weird. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, based on what we see in the chapters, it sounds like maybe the, the Lord Ruler was killing normies. Maybe that's what he did his executions for to get spikes to give the Chondra, because it sounds like he was giving the spikes to the Chondra. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I got I, I to gotta call out that uh, Jamie spotted the earliest hint about the Coloss all the way back in at the end of the second book when they're, like, getting rid of the Coloss bodies, and there's, like, it says there's, like, a pile of pins or metal rods or something, and she totally called earlier in this book. She's like, oh, yeah, they, were, they had spikes back then. I think there's spikes in these Coloss, which is something that <laughs> I did not spot at all my first time through. So kudos. Yeah, thanks. I was pretty excited when I read it today. I was like, yes, the spikes. <laughs> I knew they were important. <laughs> Made me really happy. Yeah, these chapters were really solid. A whole lot of shit went down. Um, epigraphs were on fire with information about Ferrochemi. 
which not ferrokemi hemology the other one <laughs> the other uh i'm i'm curious about the whole it mentions that uh you take the powers for allomantic abilities and you put it on the person receiving the spike but where it goes in the body depends on which power you get and i'm like mm-hmm. oh that's not how i thought that worked that just honestly that just raises further questions <laughs> <laughs> so i really need i need a like i'm i'm sure there's a uh like the last couple of books had the glossary at the back of like yep. this is what the various metals do for uh, allomancy and and ferrochemy. So I'm sure at the back of this book there is that for hemology as well. But I'm like uh, I shouldn't flip to the back of the book. No, that, that, probably that, not. Yeah. yeah, no. <laughs> but yeah, no. I liked I liked the uh, the attack on the city and learning where Colos came from freaked me out, as Jamie can attest. And when when Tensoon got out. And he and he's like, oh yep, I found the spikes that give me the blessing that I took from Orosaur. And I was like, wait, you have hemologic spike? Hemology is what gives you your sentience. You said you were for preservation, buddy. This is not for preservation. <laughs> uh, now you feel duped. Like, yeah. The, the the epigraphs state that hemology is the art of ruin, mm-hmm. and intense. And just like, oh yeah, we're of preservation. I'm like, well, apparently not, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, I think they are, Dak. I think that's what. What they're what the epigraphs are saying it's like some the normal pe- people still produce spikes that the chondra use so those are preservation spikes well the spikes take pieces of preservation from inside of people right whether that's allomancy because allomancy is a preservation right or whether it's part of for lack of a better term their soul this power of preservation side that it says gives them sentience but the art of hemallergy itself, creating spikes, all spikes have to be created by killing someone. Right. So that art is of ruin. But do they, are the, I don't know, the, are the Chondra aware of that, though? Mm, of how their spikes are made? They just think that they're given to them from the father. I mean, let's yeah. be honest, they, would, they wouldn't be the first people that Rashek lied to. So mm, It's true. No, but they seem to know that they are of preservation, whereas Alamance is of, of ruin. So that kind of made sense. In the end, it's because they don't, their powers, I guess, aren't coming from a transfer of power. It's, it's those spikes. So it, it is a different, different thing altogether. Well, it's tr- they're getting sentience because it's taking a piece of what makes humans sentient from two humans that get killed and sticking it in them. So it kind mm. of is at the same time. I don't, I don't know. There's got to be a reason that they say they're of preservation, right? So maybe there's something we still don't get there. Hmm. I don't know. I just, yeah. I saw the spikes, the epigraphs called the spikes and hemology, the art of ruin. And then mm-hmm. that's what makes Kandra sentient. So I was like, all right, well, you're not, you're not preservation then. Is this, that's just where my mind went. I could be wrong. It's like yin and yang. Everything's got a bit of both. That's true. The art of ruins, art of hemology is stealing pieces of preservation from people. So it's kind of like by default, a little bit of both. Mm. Yeah, I guess. Also, to, to kind of answer your question, I don't know what's going to be in the back of your book. In the back of the 10th anniversary Leatherbound edition that I have, there is, like, a whole table, and there's, like, the outline of a guy and a bunch of spikes all over him. It's like, spikes here, do this, this kind of spike, and then there's, like, a list of metals. It's like, this metal steals this stuff. So it's a, it's a very – and maybe after this book's done, I, I, I can show it to you guys. But it's a very uh, laid out, all the information in there about hemallergy. There's a table like that about the other ones too, but those aren't, those are more basic because it's just like a big circle or whatever. And it's like, here's all the metals and what they do. But hemallergy is a little scarier because it's a bunch of spikes shoved in a dude. They look like big railroad spikes. Yeah. I feel like it doesn't look pretty. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's not a tiny pin that you can just hide. But yeah. Anyway, I I really enjoyed these chapters this week. I thought the epigraphs were really informative, and I'm loving how they are somewhat related to what we're reading at the time. It's not having to sort of bounce between what we remember from the epigraphs and then what we're reading in the chapters and piecing it together later. It just seems to really flow really well. And you'll either get that information sort of just before you've read it or just after you've read it. And it's I love that penny drop moment where you're like, oh, okay, I get it now. So I'm really enjoying that throughout this whole book, but these chapters sort of felt really, really good at doing that. I loved in the first chapter that we read the the distraction and so how fast paced that all came about. Yeah. Dak was um Dak was very traumatized by the Kandra uh not Kandra, Colos forming. Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna tell you what I just read, but it made me throw up a little bit in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Those oh my were god. My exact sounds, words, yes. It sounds horrific. And I was reading the chapter and when Vin started chasing human and humans got this body and I was like, oh, I think I know what's about to happen and this can't be good. <laughs> like this must be what he was talking about. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. I mean, not not vomit in my mouth, bad, but yeah, it was not good. And then the fact that we got to catch up with everyone as well, you know, Ten soon mm. is finally out and seeing what the world's like now and yes, yeah, Spook and Breeze and Sazed, what they're up to as well. It was um, lots of different things going on. I really liked it. Yeah, there's... There's something so weird, and it's weird to me because you get sort of an explanation of one of the strangest things that I've always in my in my brain about the Kolhas. It's like, why does their skin not grow as they grow? Like this this makes no sense until you find out that it's like, oh yeah, we rip it off of old Kolhas and like staple it to a new one, and it's like, oh, ew. Yeah, that's why their skin never fits. Yeah. It makes sense. But it's it makes sense, but it's gross. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like a, yay, I have an answer to this question. It was not an answer I wanted. <laughs> Boo. I, have I an do not feel comfortable about this at all. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, it's like, oh, yeah. I'm sorry I asked. So, yeah, we got Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of confused about it. So, it's the people, the people that they're taking effectively power from, they are still alive. Like, they have to kill them to get the power on the spike. Yeah, to, to empower a spike, you have to kill someone with the spike, yeah. Yeah, so that's why he went to the wounded, not to the dead. Well, I, well, I, I think d- the spike still has power, and he he was going to go to a wounded person to turn them into a coloss with the spikes. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. I think yeah. that's what's going to happen. Because yeah. obviously, whoever you're making into a coloss also needs to be alive. That well, that's be, it, yeah, so. you can't really kill them. So it's, I guess it's where their spikes come from, and... Yeah, so I guess they, it's sort of the same have, place. They have four spikes, I think it said. So you got to kill like four people, and then you need a fifth person to turn into a coloss. Gosh. Yeah, it's intense. Mm. Okay, all right. Let's get into these these chapters. So yes, the first, and I told you guys when we ended last week. I'm like, the next epigraph is like a really juicy, informative about hemallergy sort of epigraph. And it's just like, so yeah, the the type of metal of the spike is important, but also where you put it in the body is important. Which is just hilarious because that means that Spook, if if we're right, and that and this is how Spook got the extra power because this spike being driven through him, mm-hmm. uh, that means it was blind chance that he got pewter. He could have easily wound up as being a, a, a lurcher or something if well, he I just think, moved a bit. If he moved a bit to the right, I think that it's also like because 
the spike can steal power, but it can't steal a power that's not there. So the the guy that got killed to make by getting run through the sword was a pewter guy, was a thug. Ah, uh, right, yeah, okay. So if it he had put to go through the spike, his chest. yeah, it had to go through his chest and kill that guy to get pewter in the the power pewter into the sword. I guess if he'd gotten stabbed in the wrong place, maybe it just wouldn't have done anything, or maybe it would have started like converting him into like a coloss or something. I don't know. Ugh. Yeah, that wouldn't be fun. A lot of things that have to line up to make this right. Yeah, yeah. it's like like a very specific set of circumstances had to be met in order to make Spook into a thug. Yep. And it's like, wow, that actually all lined up really. I don't want to say lucky, but um, it was very it was very small odds. So he beat yeah. the odds. It seems less and less like random. Like we talked about last time. Like if that was chance, it was a really long shot that it like got him in the first place. And the more we learn, the less it seems like it could have been random chance. Hmm. Hmm. And also, I, we the the next part tells us like, oh, by the way, yeah, they killed some pharaoh chemists to make each inquisitor. I don't know where they hunted them down from, since the Lord Ruler was trying to drive them all to extinction. But so well, each yeah. But like he also had breeding programs in place, and they were talking about how, oh, look how good we are. We're breeding more and more pharaoh chemists. Like Lord Ruler doesn't suspect a thing. Ha ha ha. And it's like mm. actually, you know, he might have, and he might have been he playing you all for chumps. I didn't even think about it that way. That's so true. You think about what Spook's going through now with the whole count the skulls thing. Who's to say the Lord Ruler wasn't doing something like that? Oh, I'm going to go and kill all the ferrochemists and hunt them down and and get rid of them. But mm. it's like if he knew he knew that those powers were valuable and if he knew how to do it, well then yeah, he's still going to kill them. But why why just let them go? Might as well take their power while we're at it. But once again, we find out that like you lose some power as you go because he says that they gave all the inquisitors this healing ferrochemy but it w- didn't work as well as a real ferrochemist so that's why they had to sleep so much or rest so they could save up some healing and then we get set and ellen having an argument and it's funny because ellen was like you guys aren't gonna try to stop me and Seth's like no 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 go ahead and the first thing and i was like you shouldn't have gone in there set yeah getting real sick of this guy <laughs> But Set has a point. He's like, yeah, well, now you've met these people and talked to them and stuff, so you're going to feel bad about uh, having to kill them all. Ellen's like, he's not wrong. I mean, Set's an asshole, but he's not wrong. And then Ellen's like, well, I'm glad that I made the choice I did. And Set's like, yeah, I know. That's even worse. And it's funny because Set did the same thing going into the city of the that he was besieging, but uh, he doesn't have this weakness that he blames on Ellen, I guess. He doesn't have compassion, so it was fine for him. Although, Set raises some decent points. I mean, it's true. You don't necessarily want to uh, feel bad about invading the people that you are here to invade. But I like I, I like his statement. He's like, every leader has a weakness, and the ones who win are the ones who learn how to deal with them. He says smother those weaknesses, not give them fuel. But I just like, recognizing your weaknesses and knowing how to deal with them would make you a good leader. I agree. That, that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like all of the points Set's making here are valid, and I think... Ellen kind of cuts to the heart of that, too, because he's like, well, he's kind of being grumpy, though. What's going on? And he realized that it's like Set is worried about his concerned about his daughter. And also, like, he probably also cares about Ellen to an extent because he's like, well, I, uh, you know, this kid's leading us like I sh- he's got to do a better job. Mm. That's that's a fair point. Yeah. Set's trying in his own grumpy way to teach Ellen some leadership lessons, even though he's not, as we've established, the greatest leader himself uh yeah he's he's really he's taken over the grump factor that we're missing from clubs this book but we like him less yeah we like uh, him less 
club, club, clubs was like you know like a, a pleasant grumpy guy to be around Seth's just a dick <laughs> and then Seth's like hey we should poison the wells in the city and Ellen's like yeah okay I'll have Vin do that but then I'll tell her to leave a note say on the wells saying hey this is poison don't drink this it's just like what the fuck dude really <laughs> It's like, uh, it's like, it makes me think of Will It Blend. It's like, <laughs> don't poison this. water, don't drink what? this. Yeah, don't read this. Uh, did, you ever, uh, did you ever don't watch Will It Blend? Long time ago. Yeah, that's that's an old yeah. reference. Yeah. Blendtec Blenders. That's like, uh, that's almost at the dawn of YouTube. Maybe, maybe a few years after. Yeah, probably. But, uh, yeah. And then, as you say, uh, Ellen kind of calls him on, uh, or figures out that, Seth's, you know, being all grumpy and stuff. And he's like, hey, she's going to be all right, Seth. It's okay. Nothing's going to happen to Orian. She's safe. He's like, whatever. I don't care about her. Let the soother have her, I say. And that's when we see Damu. He's up and about. Everyone's favorite buddy, Damu. Yeah. Boy, is he depressing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's he's he's, he's had a moment. And uh, so, yeah, he's uh, he was one of the people who was sick longest. And that apparently has started some rumors in camp. And such so just like, what, soldiers are superstitious. What are, you know them. And uh, so the, some of the people think that the people who got sick from the mists are being punished for a lack of faith in the survivor, since he is Lord of the Mists. And while they start giving reports, Ellen is thinking, gets all introspective about trying to deal with Yeoman and has to acknowledge that he is, Yeoman had a point. Ellen is a bit of a hypocrite here. But, uh, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, I mean, no one's perfect. You got Ellen's a hypocrite on one side, Yeoman's still the guy who's just partying while the world burns, so... Yeah. That's just the usual self-doubt stuff. It's like, man, am I, bad, am I as bad as I think? I don't know, but I need to be as bad as I think. Ah, oh, shit, that's not a good thing. <laughs> but after ever, the meeting's over, Damu hangs out, and he's like, uh, Your Majesty, I want to be relieved from my post as a general, because I'm not worthy anymore. And uh, he's like, no, I'm not trusted by the survivor, so I shouldn't command this army. And Ellen's like, I'm, yeah. I'm sure the survivor trusts this, you, Damu. This is uh, this is real circular logic here. Damu yeah. obviously is not a not a true philosophy guy. You know, you can't philosophize like uh, like a good old Ellen can. I was gonna say, where's where's Ham? Ham would break this out. Would like you know break this little you know oh, fallacy Ham would love here. this. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, let's talk about it some more. Maybe that's why Damu asked to speak to Ellen alone. He's like, I've talked to Ham. He just wouldn't stop talking. Can we please just... I, need, I, I can't deal with you anymore. Uh, but we find out that the army has taken maybe out of context something that Ellen said when he was trying to give a pep talk before the mist struck everyone down. Because he's like, you know, like, Kelsier's Lord of the Mists. We have to trust. And then all these people got sick. And now they're like, oh, well, if Kelsier's Lord of the Mists and he's causing this sickness, then he must not like the people who are getting sick, right? It's kind of like a, a butterfly effect thing with something that Ellen said, trying to be encouraging. The stuff that always goes through my head when they talk about this sort of thing is like people saying, like, oh, yeah, it's the will of Kelsey. This happens. It's like you people did not know Kelsey. He did not <laughs> give that much thought to shit like this. No, not in yeah. any way. <laughs> also, like uh, Demo's the crux of Demo's argument is that like, like, well, you, 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 you yourself said it. You spoke the words and. And so if it's from Kelsier, it must be true that we got sick because of him. And it's like, Damu, you don't even believe that Ellen believes this stuff. So if he said that, why would you give it like credit or credence? 
you know? Yeah. Damu's just looking for excuses to justify his own feelings of inadequacy here. Yeah, but uh, Damu actually has a little more evidence for his thing, where he's like, well, what about the strange numbers? And Ellen does not know that not only is it exactly one-sixteenth, or no, I'm sorry, 16%, that's different, one-sixteenth. Not only <laughs> is it exactly 16% who get sick of everyone who goes into the mists, it's 16%, or no, it is one-sixteenth of the people who get sick that stay sick longer, and they stay sick exactly 16 days. Sure. I can I can fraction that down for you. It's 4 25ths. <laughs> 1 16th of 16%? And then, yeah, they say six, 16 days, and Ellen's like, oh, no, no, it's coincidence. It's fine. Which at this point, dude, I think you're pushing it to try to make people believe that. <laughs> 4 25ths was just 16%, by the way. Don't, don't, don't think I messed that up. and then uh he's like no 16 is this important thing like that's how many months that the survivor spent in the pits of hathson that's how old lady vin was when she became a misborn which is not true we know that she was a misborn long in that she just didn't know about it yeah putting that in there also when he said like that's how long kelsey was at the pits i'm like wait was it i don't remember that yeah I, i think this is the first time we've heard that i don't i mean i don't doubt it that sounds about right but hmm and so finally, Eamon, uh, Eamon, Ellen is like, okay, okay, no, I get it. I understand what you're trying to say. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with all this, but okay. So, and Damien's like, well, that means that, you know, if he dislikes the people who got sick, then he must hate the people who were sick longest the most. And Ellen's like, well, except for the ones who died. And Damien's like, huh, yeah, maybe there is hope for me. <sighs> That was like a sarcastic comment, Damon. You're not supposed to. Jeez. And Damon's like, you know, maybe he doesn't like me because I made myself a priest. He didn't choose me to be his priest. And it's like, Ellen, he didn't choose anyone. He died before any. Ellen's thought is, I don't think the survivor cared much about this when he was alive. I'm like, boom, nail on the head right there. Yep. But you can't tell people that. It's like, oh, you're God, like. Didn't give, a, didn't give a rat's ass about uh, any of this shit. This next bit is like where it all really comes apart. It's like, yeah, he didn't appear to me after he died. And and I was like, you know that was a Kandra. That wasn't actually him. And and Damon was just like, yeah, but I wasn't on the list that the Kandra visited. I'm like, oh, okay, now you're pushing it, buddy. <laughs> like, you, you know the secret here. For Damu though, he's just been through Miss Sickness. He's... Uh, we're like, we don't know what that's like to go through that, whether you're just out cold for however long you're out cold for or, you know, is it messing with your mind? Does ruin or preservation talk to you? Or Ooh, like, yeah. we don't we don't really know that. So for him, he's looking for any excuse. Like he's lost the faith of his army. They're all questioning him, going, oh, well, you mustn't believe very much. He's looking for an excuse to get out. So he's going to cling on to anything, which he's obviously that's... given this a great deal of thought. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. I, honest, honestly, like as soon as it came out that he knew about Orosur impersonating Kelsey, I'm, I'm like, wait, you knew that, and you're still so devout, like knowing that, like you knew, you know that uh, Kelsey wasn't quite as divine as everyone says he was, because he had to resort to that method. Mm-hmm. Wow, okay, that, um, yeah, I'm not sure what that says. You know, faith is faith. He's, mm. uh, this is, I don't know how many of the other people like in this religion actually knew Kelsier, like Demu at least met him a few times and stuff so maybe he's just crazy this damu guy you know yeah but i like how ellen tries to turn it around he's like okay look 
We don't have time for this self-pity BS. You know that you are one of the most faithful people in the army. Like, we all know this. So what we need to do is turn this around. You are our proof that being faithful has nothing to do with whether or not you get sick. So then we can find the real reason for all of these, for all of this stuff. And I was like, okay, see that, that was some good thinking on Ellen's part. We're, we're going to turn this around, make it work the other way. That does work. And it pulls Damu out of his funk, but it does make me think that, oh, okay. So then in a few chapters time, we'll find out that Damu has been spreading this around. People believe it. And then Damu becomes even higher up in the church. Maybe he's the new Pope. <laughs> Pope of the survivor. That's, I, yeah, I have no idea. We, obviously, the survivor religion isn't organized the same way everywhere because we know that it's different in Erto than it is here. But uh, yeah, that'd be interesting. I don't know how they organize themselves in general, actually. So, but I, I also like that Ellen thinks to himself, he's like, well, maybe I'm. I said that that shows that they're unrelated. Maybe it's actually the opposite, and that the strongest believers are the ones who are getting sick. Hmm. Which I can see how you could argue that. Be like, no, this is Kelsier showing who he loves the most. Like, how else is he going to do it? This is how. But I, I think you want to avoid dividing your army e- either of these ways. You would rather them be all together. Yeah, you need unification. And then we get the next epigraph, which is that hemallergic decay was less obvious in Inquisitors created from Mistborn. So Mistborn already had all the powers, which means that any additional... The spikes just like built and made them super like double steel and double bronze and whatever else. So there were more badass inquisitors than others is the basics there. But apparently most of them were created from mistings. So that actually adds a whole nother level to stuff from way back in the first book where like all the noble houses were like, yeah, you don't talk about who in your house is a mistborn because that makes you a target from mm. um, the other houses. But then, like, this could actually be an extra level to that. It's like, yeah, we have a Mistborn in our house, and next thing you know, they disappear, and a new Inquisitor shows up on the streets. Because you, you can bet Rashek is looking for um, information on that. Um, and that probably good. goes a long way to explaining why they kept Vin alive for so long, knowing she was a Mistborn. They probably intended to turn her into one as well. Hmm. That's interesting. I didn't even think of that. I wonder if they would do that with, like, make someone into an Inquisitor when they weren't, like, a pure blood type person. Because the Inquisitors seem to, they have like the face tattoos and stuff of being in the church or being in the the steel ministry rather already. Like they're obligators, it seems like, before they become Inquisitors. So I wonder if, if that's true of everybody or if they would do it to somebody like Vin who... I mean, if if they can get a hold of a Mistborn, like this epigraph says that Mistborns are so much more powerful when they're turning to Inquisitors, they might yeah. make an exception for her case because it means they will have someone so much stronger on their team. I guess it depends on how much they can control the other Inquisitors. Like, Marsh obviously had some independence. He took out the other Inquisitors on the night that they overthrew the Lord Ruler. So. Yeah. I guess, hmm. yeah, it just depends on how long it takes for that control asserts itself. Yeah. Interesting. Also got to also got to think about the fact that Zane had a spike. Yeah, true. He, had, he said he had that spike for as long as he could remember, but he wasn't an Inquisitor. He had the voice talking to him. But, you know, at, at what point do you become an inquisitor like if you're already a mistborn and they put a spike through you that doesn't automatically make you an inquisitor i guess like you've got to have all the spikes yeah maybe right. I, so, I, but, yeah at what number of spikes do you hit inquisitor that's a good question yeah. hmm. 
Oh, also when they take the, when they put the ice bikes in there, that's when you become an inquisitor. <laughs> I can see that 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 must change you up somehow very a lot because it's going right through your brain. But also, fun fact, since this is a good point at which to do that, there's some it, it doesn't come up anywhere in the books because Zane's been dead for a while now. But someone asked Brandon, like, what I mean, did Zane Spike do anything other than get him talking to God or whatever? Apparently, Zane Spike gave him increased precision with steel, so he he was really good at like pushing metal. And if you go back and read this, I can book, see that there's several yeah. examples where Ben's like really impressed by how good he is at mm. that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, "Whoa, how did he do that?" Yeah. Oh yeah. Fun Zane fact. Uh, but yeah, most Inquisitors were made from Mistings, and it seems that Seekers were the favored recruits when a Mistborn was not available, because then enhance, they had enhanced bronze, which made it easier for them to search out Ska Mistings, which, as you recall, finding and murdering half-breeds was kind of the Inquisitor's whole deal. Yep. And then we cut to Vin, and there's an attack happening. And she's like, finally. Jeez, took him long enough. As you guys may remember, when they first set up camp here, Ellen was like, have everybody stay inside while the mists are out so that maybe we can trick Yeoman into thinking that we're scared to go out in the mists. And then he'll try to attack them and we can be ready for him. And that's what happens. They attack during the mist, but everybody's ready for them. So it's a, a fun battle where Vince tossing horses around and stuff. Although she's like, oh, no, they have no horseshoes and their their spears are stone tipped. Instead of swords, Yeoman uh, knows what he's doing here. So I like her improvisation where uh, she finds some metal tent spikes att still attached to a tent and shut shoots them at the horses to like wrap legs in uh, tent fabric. Yeah. She's quick on her feet. Oh, yeah. Part of me was amazed, though, that they're still using metal in the camp. Yeah. Like, it, I guess you, you can't avoid using metal altogether. And when there's not too many alamances and misborn around these days i guess it's less of a risk but at the same time it's like oh okay well now that you know they can be used as a weapon should you have a coin shot come to mm -hmm. attack you you're kind of just giving them what they need so mm, i don't know that's wise or we see something about yeoman's misborn in this one i mean if yeoman has a misborn that lands in the middle of camp and starts like mm -hmm. shoving all the tents down using the metal spikes then that could be a problem well, your men are still yep. in those tents. Mm -hmm. But uh, Vin, Vin does pretty well. The, uh, uh, she burns Duralumin to, like, uh, knock down these horses and stuff with the tent spike cloth. She's really mean to horses in these last couple of books, I got to say, since she got her Duralumin. She's always uh, knocking them down and stuff. She chopped one in half at the end of the last book. Yeah, it's, mm. uh, it's definitely a lack of care for animals, you know. Peta would have a field day with Finn. <laughs> but then she feels a Mistborn and gives chase to the mysterious Mistborn, who we don't ever actually see in this chapter. At some point, while well, she's like chasing him, he just uh, disappears. And it's, it's definitely a Mistborn. It's not the Mist Ghost like when she left the city a few chapters ago, yeah? She seems to think so. I mean, we don't see the guy, so I don't know that we can say for sure. But she tells Ellen that she's like, yeah, he has Mistborn. I, I felt it. And she even tries to use her, uh, you know, copper cloud piercing ability. But she feels like maybe maybe word has gotten out. Zane knew about it. Who knew who Zane might have told? Because his Condra spy gave him the secret. So maybe people know. She's like, 
Because most Mistborn, if they're running off and trying to disappear, they would just start turn on their copper and start smoking and think that they can use Alamancy all they want and get away and no one will find them. So if this Mistborn really just stopped burning all their metals to hide, then maybe they know something, which could be bad. And then uh, she gets back to Ellen, and she's afraid that the Mistborn was just trying to distract her while somebody killed Ellen, but that's not what happened. It turns out that the Coloss got attacked, which that's really a smart move on Yeoman's part. The Coloss are the ones you want to worry about. Yeah, so, like, I... And I was confused about this. Did he drop trebuchets on them? Did he use the trebuchets on them? I, I, I didn't quite fully understand what was happening. Okay, well, let's 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 dig into that and let's see if we can clarify. I think he had some stored, like, hidden away outside the city and then just rolled it out, attacked the Coloss with it, and then once the job was done, torched the, the trebuchet so no one can use it, so they couldn't turn around and use them against the city. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Ham says that Yeoman had trebuchets stored in caves at the back of the cliffs, and he says that he thinks they he stored them there in anticipation of our arrival. So he was going to attack the army with them when they showed up, which makes sense. But he says, I guess they were originally being built for an assault on Luthadel, which that's news. Mm. That makes Yeoman a bit of a hypocrite, too, for talking about, like, oh, you had your kingdom. Why you got to come mess with mine? Like, Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, but I guess that's just speculation. Like, they could call Yeoman on that. He's like, no, I didn't do it for that. What are you talking about? Right. Whether or not he did is another matter, but he could, like, there's no proof that he did it for that. But then it just so happened that uh, they'd set their Coloss army, their 20,000 Coloss, out on this nice plateau that they found. It happens to be right in front of the uh, where the trebuchets were hidden. And so 20,000 Coloss has become 10,000 Coloss. That is a huge loss for the army. Yeah. That's... That's scary. And Ham, Ham goes even further. He's like, Yeoman must have seen us sending out extra patrols in the morning, guessed that we were expecting an attack in the morning, and then gave us one as a distraction so he could kill off the Coloss. Like, that's some that's some next-level chess playing right there. But I guess that these trebuchets are not... Like, they're in the cliffs, but I guess not, like, where the city is in the cliffs, because we know the city's up in these natural rock formations. Because it says he had to burn his own siege equipment to keep it away from us. So they surprise attacked them with the siege equipment, and then, like Dax said, they torched it all so that Ellen couldn't grab it and turn around and use it against them. They lost a couple dozen siege weapons and 500 men, but they got 10,000 Coloss. That is a good deal. Yeah. I mean, it just worked out blind luck that that was where they settled the Coloss, really. Yep. And uh, so now Ellen feels like he was confident that they could take uh, Fadrak City. Now the battle's going to be a little more even, and we don't like fair fights. Oh, and this is where Vin tells him. It's like, yeah, Yeoman has a Mistborn. And Ellen says, are you sure? And she nods. So she's sure, at least. But we know how much Vin relies on her, like, kind of instinct. So who knows how logical this, I'm sure, is. Well, nine times out of ten, it works out. It's true. And then, you know, that one time out of ten, she lets out God. <laughs> so, yeah, when it when it goes bad, it goes bad. Yeah. Oh, goodness. So... Ellen's like, hey, we need to split up the Coloss a little bit, so I'm going to give you a thousand. Here you go. And so basically, he has to let a thousand go, and then Vin has to grab them before they uh, realize that they're they are free. Which now knowing that they used to be uh, humans is kind of you're now enslaving these uh, people. Of course, we know what they would do if you didn't. So maybe it's the lesser of two evils, but yeah, kinda messed up. No, nothing about the Coloss is pleasant. Uh, so in the annotations on this chapter. It starts with, there's an old adage in writing, if things feel slow, have the protagonists get attacked. 
I wonder what literary fiction would be like if they had tried this out. And then there's an, <laughs> there's an editor's note here that says Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. I think I remember hearing something like that. I was talking to a couple of our, uh, friends from our, from our group way back when, and they was, and I think Billy mentioned, oh, yeah, it's like a, a writing tip I know. If you get stuck, have ninjas attack. Mm, yep. Makes sense to me. <laughs> and so she goes over to get her new Coloss, and human shows up. He's like, hey, what's up? I like how it acknowledges they have a bond. She's like, oh, I'm not sure if this is him reacting to our bond. I'm like, aha, you do have a bond. You have a new pet. <laughs> well, I mean, they have a bond in that she's controlling him with her mind. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think it was like a friendly bond. It was a forceful <laughs> bond. Technically, she's got that bond with a whole heap of them, so. Well, now she does. Before this, I think she was just controlling human. Okay. And El- Ellen had the rest of them. That's why Ellen's like, I'm going to break you off a thousand. I thought she had a few more. Oh, never mind. So she's kind of, she's almost kind of offended that the Coloss are just doing their usual thing. Uh, they're like rooting around for food and stuff. And she's like, don't you people even care, human, that like half of you just died? And he's like, hmm? we take care of them. And he's like, yeah, you pull their skin off. What's up with that? He's like, well, they're dead. Yeah, okay, that's helpful. Thank you. And she's just like, your culture is so confusing. Yeah, seriously. And uh, he's like, we are... Fewer. I should just let Joe in his human voice read all the human lines. <laughs> and Vin's like, oh, so you can tell that there's less of you. And he's like, yeah, we fought. We died. We need more. Too many swords. Me human. Too many swords. <laughs> and I think it was Saze who told us in the previous book that uh, Coloss populations could be controlled by like increasing or decreasing the number of swords available. And so she's still trying to figure out where Coloss come from because she could not get him to answer last time. So she's like, maybe now I can get it's like, you're going to need some children, right? Human. He's like, what are those more Coloss? Well, you got to give us more. And she, she does not get it. And she's like, you, you have to show me human. And he's like, I can't, that's not right. Which is surprised her. Cause she's like, I've never heard a Coloss make a statement on values, right and wrong. That's not really their bag. Yeah. And so she pushes him alimantically to force him to do what she wants. And then he screams and grabs one of the dead bodies and runs towards the camp. And she's like, oh, shit, what did I do? <laughs> and yeah, long story short, she's going to he's going to turn uh, a human, a sick human or injured human into a coloss. He warned her. He was like, it's not right. And she's like, well, now I got to see this. <laughs> <laughs> I love things that are not right. Also, back when we first met him, he said, I'm human. He outright yeah. told her. <laughs> yep, spoiler. Uh, human is human. Or was yeah, funnily, human. Funnily enough, the guy who's very literal about things was being literal, and we did, and we missed it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we talked about it before, and Jamie did spot the spikes. Did you guys think Coloss came from humans, or what were you thinking before this? Uh, I definitely did not put that together. Okay. No, I, I I didn't have a clue. I, I assumed that... I think I thought that, like the Kandra, were were mistwraiths that were given sentience by the Lord Rule. I think the Coloss was some other creature mm. that uh, Rashek turned into these monsters. That makes sense. Which, I mean, te- technically that's correct, but just not the animal I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you, Dak. I didn't expect it to be humans, especially because for us, as far as we knew, a human with a spike through it effectively became an inquisitor yep, or uh yeah. whatever spook is now whatever um, spook is. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So having it out of humans, I didn't, I didn't expect. But it, yeah, it had to be another creature of some sort. Yeah, I, I do love the end of the chapter. He's like, I am human. Like maybe you finally understand now. I am so, a human. Human. <laughs> it's like <laughs> makes all the yeah. difference. Colos school doesn't doesn't include definite articles. <laughs> <laughs> or I was human. <laughs> I come from human. Anything else probably would have helped this earlier. So, okay. Interesting thing in the annotations on this one is something that it's one of these things that there's nowhere else he could put it, nowhere in the book where it fit. So he gives us human's origin story in the uh, in the annotations. So it says human is a very special coloss. He's quite a bit older than most, and his creation runs back to the time before the Lord Ruler's death. He was originally the leader of a rebellion out in the southeast, the same area where Club spent his youth fighting. Human was known as Vershad and was one of the more successful leaders of the Wasted Men, those who Good live night. out in the desert beyond the borders. of the. Yeah, I know, right? That's cool. <laughs> they come in to raid and steal supplies from outlying villages. So Vershad was charismatic and intelligent and managed to keep his band alive even once the Lord Ruler turned his attention on them. Because rather than ravaging villages, Vershad would convert them quietly and carefully to his side and then get them to give him supplies. And then he would, quote unquote, raid them and destroy their lord's mansions and cause chaos to let the people get sideways revenge against their masters. And then in the chaos, it would be assumed the raiders had gotten away with all of the Ska's food and the Lord Ruler would send more food. So they had a, a good scam going on the Lord Ruler there is the upshot. Eventually, the Lord Ruler got tired of these games and sent his Coloss against Vershad and his men. And as clever as they were, they weren't able to stand against a well-laid betrayal and an ambush set by an Inquisitor who controlled a troop of Coloss. The raiders were slaughtered, and Vershot himself was turned into a coloss for his crimes. However, he retained enough of his determination and intelligence to make a remarkably clever coloss. There is some variety to coloss based on who they were before their transformation. So there you go. Human's backstory. Okay, that one, I get that you can't put all that into the text of the book itself, but give us a short story about that. That sounds like an awesome story I want to hear more of. I know, right? I want to read that. Uh, there's all these things like there's the or short, or short story that never got written and you can get a human one. There's there's too much. There's too much awesome potential out there. Really, I'll tell you, a lot of people over the years have asked Brandon repeatedly, like, are you ever going to write books, the story of uh, what happened with Alendi back in his time and like him basically having to take over the world and become the hero of ages and head to the well of ascension? Because that's a really cool sounding story that we never get to hear. I mean, we get to hear the end of it, basically. Yeah. And Brandon said, like, no, no, that's I mean, that story is basically told in these books, more or less. So he's not going to do that. But that's another one that I'm just like, there's so much like cool world here. Yeah. Like, I kind of see it for a Lendy because like the themes that play out in these books so much. And, you know, we mm-hmm. get we get enough hints. So we can piece most of it together. But, yeah, stuff like Arasur and and Vershod is like. Well, we got like really nothing, and we like until he mentions like these little possibilities. I'm like, that sounds like it would make a great story that doesn't come up in these books by your own ambition. So, dude, capitalize on that, make it happen. He's always writing something. There's never enough time, I guess, to write all the things. 
I got like there was a betrayal and a trap set by an inquisitor. It's like, holy shit, this story has everything, right? <laughs> this is a good time. Yeah, like it's it, it says a, a well laid betrayal, and I'm like, oh my gosh, who betrayed him? I want to know. Like, yeah. what happened? <laughs> oh, oh well, can't have everything yet. <laughs> so the next epigraph. Hemallergy can be used to steal allomantic or ferrochemical powers and give them to someone else. But you can also create one by killing a normal person. And then it steals a part of the power of preservation existing within the soul of people. The power that, in fact, gives all people sentience. So there's uh, a fun fact that we didn't know is that everybody has some preservation in them. And that's what gives them their sentience. Oh, so if people are of ruin instead of preservation, are they ten soon? Mm. I'm going to stop hopping on that. You're like, the people all have this preservation inside them, and you, Condra, use Ruin's power to, like, steal it. And now who's a Ruin, huh? Although, now it makes perfect sense why the Condra can't make more of themselves, because they're like, you know, we have to get the Lord Rulers the only one who could. Because they're not allowed to kill people. Yes. So That's probably exactly why. Yeah. We, the the Rashek, is like... You know, he won't let the Kanter reproduce themselves, but he's like, gives gives the Kolos all the tools they need to do it. Yeah, it's true. But we also find out a little bit about the blessings. So Kondra granted the blessing of potency is kind of like getting the strength of burning pewter. Presence grants mental capacity in a similar way. Well, oh, the blessing of awareness gives you ability to sense with greater acuity. And stability grants emotional fortitude. The rarely used blessing of stability grants emotional fortitude. And it's kind of funny because in the uh, annotations, he's like, yeah, so I say it's rarely used because uh, I actually added that one after I was done writing the book. I realized that I there should be four of them. And so I, I made a new one up and added it back in in a couple of places throughout the book. But you don't see it because I hadn't written it yet at the time that I wrote everything. <laughs> So he's just, he's, he's just like, oh, it's rare. That's why you don't see him. So problem solved. Uh, and then we cut back to Spook, who has been digging all night with uh, his new friend Franson and the, the folks that Franson managed to get together to help him. And look, I got to say, Dern said count the skulls. And that's he's got 10 guys out here digging all night to count the skulls. It's kind of a dick move to have given him a clue that requires this much work when you could have just been like, Oh, hey, by the way, not everybody that goes into the fires dies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought the same thing. I'm like, really, dude? Really? Like, imagine if Spook hadn't been able to recruit, like, ten guys. Spook would be out here, like, for days digging through the ashes. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, they find uh, ten people went in, only nine skulls. And he kind of uh, explains it to Furson, even. Furson's like, yeah. I don't really know what we're doing here. This is just my payment for getting my sister rescued, but uh, I'm curious. And Spook's like, ten people, nine skulls. And the guy's like, what does that tell us? He says, it tells us there's a way we can get your sister out. Hmm. I guess, yeah, There's a, somebody's getting out somehow. So now Sazed, then we cut to Sazed and Breeze hanging out at a bar. And Sazed's like, dude, this is weird. Ska get their own bars? It's, and they go out at night? What is going on here? And Sazed and Breeze talk a little bit about it's Kelsier's teachings, maybe, about being Lord of the Mists or whatever. And Breeze like, I think the wine has something to do with it. But Breeze is... Yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to get drunk? I think that's his point. (laughs) It's like, uh, people do a lot to get drunk there, Sazed. Especially after they're working all day, you know? 
it doesn't seem like there's much else fun to do in this city. Yeah, they had to wait. Uh, they had to wait in line for bread all day, so they're just like, I guess they'll go drink. And Sace is make is kind of noting to himself, it's like the Church of the Survivors, like has spread further and faster than I expected, and it's like so different here than it is in Luthadel. And so it turns out that uh, Breeze has been meeting with various people, which we knew that he was going to do that, and we also know the Spook sent Dern's men to see him, so he's making contacts. But uh, these people are like, we trust Terrasmen, so we asked, they wanted Breeze to bring the Terrasmen to tell them this stuff. He's like, they're like, you can't, Breeze says a lot of stuff, but people like him, they're always making promises, and you can't trust a soother. And uh, Breeze is like, oh, wait, they know I'm a soother? He kind of perks up a little bit, like, yeah, they're a little smarter than he thought. Like, Terrasmen don't lie, is uh, what they say. That, that That's probably a bad stance to just believe blindly, but... Says probably won't lie to you, so... Rashek lied all the time, though. That dude was a dick. Yeah, it's like, no matter what you say about the Terrasmen, there's always going to be, but Rashek. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, their first question is, why does Ellen Venture even care? Why is he bothering to, like, want to take us? And Says is like, okay, well, I can't tell you everything. Suffice to say, your city's desirable for economic reasons. But also... Ellen Venture's a good guy, and he believes he can do better for this people than the current government. And some dude's like, yeah, that's not that's not a high bar. That would not be hard. And somebody else is like, do you remember what Straff Venture's like? You really want another venture in here? And Sace so has to put the kibosh on that. He's like, no, no, no. Ellen, not the same as Straff. Very different people. But uh, the, he, he points out when they ask about the terrorist people that the terrorist people have moved to the central dominance and accepted the protection of Ellen Venture. So I didn't say they're like part of the Empire necessarily but they are un- under his protection and one of the guys is like how are you i mean Qualian's in charge you don't have an army what's the point and Bree's like hey we didn't need an army to take down the lord ruler which is not entirely accurate yeah they definitely had like a bunch of ska rebelling yeah like that's that, that's what i'm saying like kelsier arranged for all the ska to be so upset that they would begin rebelling so he kind of armied you up an army i'm just saying and says so like no no look 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 we're not trying to start a revolution, you know, necessarily. We just want you to talk over with your friends. Let them know. Maybe Quellian will hear that people are unhappy and change stuff. And then some dude's like, we don't need outsiders. The survivor of the flames has come to deal with Quellian. And say sees Breeze kind of grin. And says just it's sitting here like, the survivor of the flames. Like, Why would they be calling Kelsey or that? I guess Breeze is just staring at him the whole time because he's like, you're starting to twitch, Says. Just ask him. It's okay. Says can't help himself about religion. He has to know. The survivor of Hathsend came to overthrow the Lord Ruler. Can't we assume the survivor of the Flames has come to overthrow Quellian? So they tell him, it's like, no, this isn't Kelsier. This is the new survivor. Yeah, and if there's anything Spook didn't need to be, it's a survivor. <laughs> I don't know if you guys recall, but I think in both the previous episodes that we've recorded, you guys called spook something like survivor jr or uh, yeah, i, I remember making thing. that joke yes i didn't think it was going to come out <laughs> like this <laughs> so do 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 are we assuming spook is the survivor of the flames uh, uh that is my assumption he's gonna be yeah he did get put in a burning building and made it back out yeah, so he, it's he not did get bad. burned up and survive <laughs> he came even came out stronger technically and he hasn't been incredibly subtle no. about it either. So, 
But it's, it is interesting that Dern is spreading rumors about him and saying he's part of the Survivor's crew. Now these other guys from the Survivor's crew show up. These guys apparently don't necessarily know the other rumors about Spook. Because when Says is like, hey, can we meet this new Survivor? I mean, I'd like to be his friend like I was Kelsier's friend. They're like, yeah, show up tomorrow. There's going to be an execution near the market pit. And you will you can see him. So there's a weird, like, different sets of rumors. And maybe not everyone is familiar with all of them. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe the uh, Survivor of the Flames is the 10th person, the missing person. And it's actually like a trick being propped up by somebody else ah. could be yeah yeah okay that's fair enough i mean i think that brandon is leading you to think it might be spook because it's a pretty obvious like direct here maybe that's a misdirect maybe it is okay. i guess we'll see it could be a big bait and switch yeah he is it, it wouldn't be the first time he did something like that to us so <laughs> but the survivor of the flames it's a cool name and i like that says it's just like Man, new survivor. This this religion's getting even freakier. Um, I wasn't I wasn't sure on first reading when like it's like Breeze is looking for Says for reactions. Like so mentally, I've just assumed, oh yeah, this is Spook. And then Breeze has got this big shit eating grin on his face as he watches Says. And I was like, does Breeze know it's Spook? And he's just messing with Says here, or like because given like Breeze isn't exactly Spook's bre- best friend, yeah, so I funny. feel like he's and. Breeze reacts very openly to things when he finds out things that are surprising to him. So I feel like if, if he found out Spook was like a new figurehead for these religions, he might just go, hey, what? <laughs> and he would not hide that at all. So he could just be, he could just be really interested in Sazed reaction because he has tried to sort of provoke Sazed into being interested again. Yeah, and true. the fact that he saw a glimmer of, Say he's trying to figure something out. He's like, okay, run with this. Figure it out. Just ask your question. Like, come on, man. I know you're still in there. I think that's yeah. the way I've always read it, that he's been trying to get Sazed interested in preaching religions and stuff again or being interested in looking at religions. And now Breeze knows from his previous conversations that there's this new kind of evolution in the Church of the Survivor or whatever you want to call it. So... He knew and didn't tell Sage on purpose because he wanted to see Sage like get interested and get excited about religion for the first time in a while. And so that's why he's got this grin. That's the way I've always read it. I don't know that that's correct, but he wants Sage to be happy again. They're friends now. Okay, final epigraph. This is an interesting one. And I don't, I'll be interested to hear what you guys think about this because it's very strange. So it's like. Even now, I can barely grasp the scope of this. The events surrounding the end of the world seem larger than just us, the people in the Final Empire. I sense shards of something from long ago, a fractured presence, something spanning the void. I have delved and searched and have been able to come up with a single name. And Joe, your version of the book, since I gave you the same version I have, spells this name wrong. I don't know about y'all's, uh, the version that you get, that I sent to you guys. The, oh. the word is Adonalsium. The L is left out in the version that I have. Yeah, we don't have an L here. Okay. So yeah, there, yeah, there is. It a... looks like Adonasium. Yeah. That's what. Yeah, that's what I thought. There's supposed to be an L before the S. Uh, that's a typo in the like the early versions of the book. Gotcha. That's a pretty critical typo. Well, yeah, since it's the the word that this whole paragraph <laughs> is talking about. Yeah, right. But I don't know. What do you guys think about this weird epigraph? Hmm. Well, obviously, um, 
not obviously. My guess is that this is a setup, not even for this book, which is kind of obnoxious to me. <laughs> uh, it's a setup for like the world, the universe that he's building. Because if we're to believe the epigraph writer 100%, this world is ending. Yep. And it doesn't sound like the epigraph writer died with this world. So it's got to be some kind of cosmic power, probably higher than the levels of ruin and preservation. That would be my guess. Sure. Living space. Yeah. Okay. I don't know about the itty bitty living space part. It's not a genie, <laughs> but uh, you know. Well, they're they're only in one small part of the planet, so that's yeah. really small in the scheme of things. Well, I'm not, but we well, I'm talking specifically about this entity he's referencing, yeah. which may, which I'm guessing doesn't even live on their planet. Hmm. Okay. Magical entity more powerful than ruin and preservation. All right. I sort of got the sense that it it talks. About Talks about shards and fractured presence. I thought, oh, were ruin and um, preservation, like, did, like you know, they, they both appear to be sentient forces. Did they used to be the same force that somehow broke in half, like you know, the evil half and the good half? Like they, they uh, did, yeah. Like did did this did this god? I, mm. In my head, I, I picture this god made of metal because everything in this universe in this world <laughs> seems to be involved metal. So. I'm just, so, yeah, and like it's it you know shards this is like especially in my trade like shards is something that flakes off of metal so mm. right and uh, uh, we do have the Lord Ruler calls himself the Sliver of Infinity like there's gotta yeah. be something to that honestly you know what you know what all of this ad nauseum reminded me of it so like I it's the 25th anniversary of Pokemon so I was playing Pokemon some and I was like you know what. I'm going to look into the lore of Pokemon. I don't know that much about, like, the background of the characters, because I haven't played all the games. I've only played, like, the older ones, the first few generations. So then it's like, one Pokemon created all of time and space, and then another Pokemon created humans, and another Pokemon created all the other Pokemon, and it's just like, it just makes me think of that. It's like some some being that Pokemon created all over this other stuff in the universe as we know it and it seemed very pokemon to me mm, i i don't know anything about the lore of pokemon either so i'll take your word on it <laughs> but uh, wait dak you have an interesting thought that i mean it might explain the, how like yin and yang exact opposites these two forces seem to be if they were like two like it was one thing and it split into two and it's two opposite halves of whatever it is that would make yeah. sense i guess it's like, yeah, out of Nalcium just Jekyll and Hyde at himself and split into two. What about you, Jamie? Did you have any thoughts on In reading it, I just kind of thought that we'd find out more about it, and probably soon, seeing as we didn't find anything out now. But thinking about it now, because it does, uh, like what Joe was saying, it does seem like the writer of the epigraphs is telling this from a from once it's all over situation. So... Yeah, maybe we don't learn about it here. Maybe it's just a little seed for something. Yeah, I'm not really sure what to make of it. Okay. That's fair. All right, we, we get our last chapter, which is actually a pretty short chapter because it's just Tensoon by himself. And he's hanging out and looking at how crappy the world is now. He's like, how could they not understand that shit is messed up if they just look outside? It's... It's like the ultimate, I was in the bathroom for five minutes. What the <laughs> hell did you guys do? And he has an interesting thing where he's like, they always looked at him as like the most 
obedient and of the third generation because he always went out on contracts and behaved himself and everything. And he's just like, they always misunderstood me. I just didn't want to become like them, like crappy. Uh, and so, and, and he, he reflects on how this dog's body actually is pretty perfect for him. It's kind of badass. And we talked about that before, because I think in one of the annotations, it was like, man, Tensun just found like the perfect situation for himself and it all went to shit. So now he has a chance to revel in it. He's like, man, this dog body is pretty awesome, actually. Hey, man, I get it. My my parents don't understand me either. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is kind of the thing, isn't it? It's like they just don't get me. Yeah, no need to argue, man. Parents just don't understand. <laughs> He's a 700-year-old teenager, is what you're saying. <laughs> well, some of us are not understood even into adulthood. Yeah, okay. Oh, he's 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 um active minded. He wants to improve the world. The parents just want to sit on their couch and watch TV all day. Yeah, yeah, it's a real uh, <laughs> it's kind a, of the thing. yeah, exactly. It's like uh, everybody wants to change the world, but no one wants to die. <laughs> that is a uh, quote from a song. And listeners, if you know what that quote is from, write in. <laughs> all right, <laughs> just just write and be like, yes, I know what the quote is from. Don't you don't have to say what it's from. Just be like, yep, I got it. <laughs> I got that reference. <laughs> uh, and he 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 we he gives a little more about how like the blessings give them sentience. Turns it basically you stick two spikes in a mystery and all of a sudden hey I know what's going on. I think therefore I am. But you also get a little something else and we talked about the previous epigraph told us about that so he's kind of retreading that ground a little bit here but. He apparently hid the other two blessing the or the other blessing the two spikes. It's it's weird because the blessing is singular, but it refers to two spikes. So, uh, but he's uh, he hid it before returning home. I guess he some part of him at least because he kept telling us he'd return home for his punishment. Blah blah blah. If he didn't plan on ever leaving again, he would not have hidden these. But I guess you also don't want yeah. to turn up with an extra blessing. Yeah. That's probably also, true. But then he immediately admitted I, to killing or So I don't. Sure. Yeah. Did they reveal that earlier that that he had hit it? Because I thought they had taken it from him. No, they specifically said I think it was the girl who like, likes what him, Malon or whatever or something. It wasn't on you when yeah. you came in or something like that. Yeah. yeah. She, yeah. She, she she was like, oh, what did you do with that? Because they said that you killed Orsor, but you didn't have them when you showed up. I'm pretty sure Malon like mentions that while he's yeah. being displayed in a cage. And and these epigraphs specifically talk about hemolurgical decay. Yeah. But these blessings, which we are now, I guess, saying come from a type of hemolurgy, don't seem to have decay. At least not that we're aware of, because it sounds like these chondra use them for years and years and years. Yeah. Well, they the, the hemolurgic decay happens when they're outside of a body. So, But that's mm. also – it's been specifically referenced in terms of allomantic and ferrochemical power because er, – I think it was the pr- last episode where it was like where Marsh kills the guy and like sh- kills him with a spike to get his smoking power. And he talks about how you get the most power if you shove the spike through a guy straight into. Oh, guy. that's right. Cause it decays yeah. if it just sits in a spike. Right. But I don't know that. Cause I, I think that the thing says that these blessings are made from regular people. So you may not get the same thing if there's not a power that you're actually transferring. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know actually. So it does decay. He's taken it out of his own body for a year. Yep. 
So would it be uh, not as strong now as it was before, maybe? Yeah. Also, what kind of hemallergical spike turns you into a coloss? That's got to be a whole different thing. Yeah, I don't know that it told us that yet. Hmm. Are those made of allomancers? Are they made of ferrochemists? Are they made of people? Soylent green is people? Mm. I already made that. Oh, since you said people, now it makes me think they're actually made from, like, some kind of animal. You have to kill a mist wraith with a spike to make a coloss. <laughs> yeah. That would be weird. Or, uh, yeah, or you like, can't. shove it through and, like, kill, an, like, just a creature with it, like a horse. Uh, I was going to say, like, we've seen a, um, we've seen a, can- a canter take an axe to the back and, um, yeah. and he was, and he was fine shortly afterwards. Is a spike really going to kill a canter or a mystery? Yeah, probably, probably not. Right. Well, I think that was explained also specifically, like, Orsor could take an axe to the back because he was, he had the blessing of potency. Oh, yeah. Good point. I, th- I think it's because he's a conjurer because they kept saying like you never like conjure hard to kill. It said that a bunch of yeah. times before we even knew what they were. I also I'm I'm hoping that they're going to. I mean I guess we don't need to know, but I want to know how he killed Orser because they keep just saying yeah I killed Orser I shouldn't have done that that was bad of me oh no why you know I killed my own kind how awful I'm probably the the most unique conjurer there is out there because I have two blessings because I killed my my brethren but mm-hmm. they don't ever say like. How did he kill him? Right. Are you gonna, is he going to like go across and open up this little pit he's dug in the ground, lift up and say, Hey, Arasur, I need you, buddy. <laughs> Turns out he's no, alive. I think, that, I think Maybe he's he definitely removed... dead. The spike. The blessing. Yeah. Like he's pinned him down and removed his blessing or something, and now he's yeah. no longer sentient. He's just a so mist wraith out there dead. somewhere. He's just back to a mist wraith. But that would, maybe that in turn does actually kill the person, because maybe you can't just reinsert it and they come back to their senses, like they have to start over. Yeah, maybe. They could have, like, erased his personality without killing That's interesting. Yeah, or or blobbed him. He just blobbed him. He just absorbed him. That's fine. There was a a whole can of blobs. A can of blobs. He he had a bucket of acid, like we talked about. He just dragged a bucket of acid in there and poured it on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, this isn't the shower. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but the end of this chapter he starts heading off with his blessing and it says the first contract was explicit when ruin returned the conjurer were to seek out the father to serve him so this is in yeah. the first contract that ruin was coming back and the conjurer needed to go and help the father fight ruin i guess yeah the lord ruler really like was planning for the future and here's ex- more proof it's like yep. he made a contract with these creatures that he helped create or whatever it's just like look ruin might come back someday if that happens i need you to serve like you need to be at my beck and call you're gonna serve me so yeah he was he he planned and plotted but we know that because the storage caches are all part of his plan for that happened well i mean we say that but the storage caches he left behind and he he left the possibilities like look i might be dead by now i don't know Mm -hmm. he didn't write that into the candra contracts no, apparently not. Although, if I recall correctly, the Conjurer actually wrote up the first contract, and like the Lord Ruler just mm-hmm. kind of approved it. So, oh, okay, yeah. they they may not have considered the possibility he could die. Yeah, well, and the first contract may have said he may have a. It may have been more vague, like you will do what I ask you to do when I ask you to do it is in the contract, and then he laid down rules at when he approved it. It's like okay, yes, and these are the stipulations to which you will fulfill your end of the contract mm, yeah maybe right but yeah for lord ruler's dead or father as they call him and so he's like can't go to him the contract did not take this into consideration so i'm gonna find the next best thing i'm gonna go find vin 
which I don't think anyone is surprised that that is where or, or, uh, Tensoon is heading oh, now that he's out. Not even a little. <laughs> but yeah, those are our chapters. I mean, he basically, when he gave his impassioned speech in the courtroom, like he basically said, yeah, we need to go find her. She's our new mother now. Yep. Uh, yeah, so he, he's like, hey, we all should go and serve in. And I guess it makes sense that he's kind of saying that now that we know what the first contract says when Ruin comes back, we go serve the father. And so he's like, hey, Ruin's back. We need to go serve our mother. Nobody else apparently agrees with this way of thinking, but nobody else has met Vin. Yeah. So they don't know. Because they can't is. handle the truth. <laughs> no. Also, they're they all can. in a little bit of denial about what's actually going on in the world. Quite clearly. A few yeah. good Chandra. Well, <laughs> I, think that's I think that's Tencent's point. It's like, he's like, they. They chose to stay in the homeland to be complacent, and now they don't even want to think of the contract as a physical binding thing that we did. They just want to think of it as an ideology, yeah. as a religion. Yep. Well, and, and the second seemed to be specifically like head in the sand sort of mentality where it's like ignoring the crap that's going on outside, whereas Melon, uh, was she like fifth or seventh generation? No, she was like seventh generation or something. She was seventh. Yeah, she's like, hey, stuff is getting bad outside, and we want someone who will lead us in a proactive way that the seconds are refusing to do. So some of them yeah. are kind of on board, but uh, the seconds are not. Right. Well, and it's and what's baffling to me is, like, I really thought the first, and maybe we still have time for this, but I really thought the first generation was going to kind of step out of their complacency when Tensun talked to them and, like, you know, do something act in some way like yep. I, like you know like we predicted i thought maybe they'd make him their arbiter so to speak but they didn't and i was just kind of like oh that's kind of lame yeah ten soon thought these... that they should do something too it right didn't work out. yeah you got these guys at the top of the hierarchy and like they're so removed from the world that they don't even seem to have an opinion on anything it's like ah oh, let the second generation make their opinions we'll just sit up here and exist and it's like that's just weird. It's almost like it's almost like they're going backwards, right? It's like they're they they became Chandra, and now their brains are thinking more like mistrates. It's like move, eat, move, eat. Like hmm. you know, it's not. I don't know. It's 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 um it's like the decaying of the mind of a Chandra, which I guess you know could happen. They're a thousand years old, but you know we know Tencent's not that much younger than them. But, you know, maybe it's because they're by themselves. You know, they say, like, if you get older, you shouldn't, you shouldn't like, live by yourself. Like, if you live by yourself and you don't do anything ever, your mind kind of goes. Yeah. Maybe that's, maybe that's what we're seeing here with these, with these first generation Chandra. But it's, it's disappointing, to say the least. Yeah. Tensun's definitely disappointed. He was like, oh, I had faith in you people. And this is. Okay. Fuck it. Okay. I tried. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's he's, and now I'm leaving with my new dog. <laughs> yeah. Uh, predigments. Let us do the predigmenting. Uh, Let's do it. Jamie, you want to go first this time? Sure. So I think I'm going to go with the survivor of the flames is spook at this point. Yeah. I think that that makes sense. And I don't know. I feel like Dern's got a bigger part to play in this. He's spreading enough rumors whether there's any truth to them or not, but he just sort of inserted himself. He, he seems to be really playing all the pieces. So I think he's going to have probably a bigger role to play, and especially now that we've we done the skull counting exercise and, you know, Spook's got some answers there, it's 
probably worth sort of touching base with him again. The Colos situation of making more Colos, I just don't see Vin and Ellen being like, okay, we're going to make more Colos. Oh, no. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think the army that we've got, or I would hope the army that we've got of Colos is probably all the Colos we're going to have, you know, unless they could come up with another way of doing that. I don't know. That's quite a predicament. You want your, your Colos army, but you have to kill a whole bunch of people to get them. It also makes me wonder what they did with the spikes they pulled out uh, previously um, of a whole bunch of dead Colos. Did they just get rid of them? Did they keep them? Yeah, you know, no that's one... a whole bunch of people you have to kill necessarily, but if you no would one still knew have to what they did, them. then yeah, I, I feel like maybe they threw them out. I don't know. Yeah, they've used them as um, alimantic weapons and just created Colos unwittingly, maybe. I don't know. That's what well, all the I mean, 10 stakes are. All the metal tent Sorry? stakes were actually all the metal tent stakes that we oh, found no. out in this chapter. They're actually, hey, look at all these extra metal like sticks we have around. <laughs> Let's use these. Fact, were you paying attention to, to that tent cloth? That wasn't no cloth. <laughs> yeah, why do you think it was blue? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I, d- I don't want to think about that too much more. That's pretty bad. <laughs> Fadrek City and Yeoman, I think, after today's incidents, are a bigger threat than what I thought they were going to be. Yeoman seems to have his head screwed on and knows how to get things done which is a little bit scary so if they do actually go back to the ball the next ball or break in I don't think that's going to go fairly well they are more prepared than what we think they are and Tensoon I think it's still going to be a while before he meets up with Vin I think it's still a possibility that he will catch up with some other people first but I mean it sounds like he's pretty much on his path back to Luthadel so I guess he might actually end up knowing what's going on in Luthadel before, like, Elland and, and Vin do, given, like, early on in the chapter they were discussing that they sort of hadn't heard anything and they were waiting on supplies and this is a bit of an issue. So, I mean, otherwise he's not going to know where to look. He's going to just wander around the final empire trying to find Vin. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's that's really all I've got today. You know, that's a really interesting point, the last thing you said, because so far we have no idea where the Contra homeland is. But if he really is going back to Luthadel, the last thing says that he turned east and started running to look east, running east to find Vin. So if that's the case, then the Contra homeland, or at least this entrance to it, assuming Dak's idea that it's under everything is not correct, the Contra homeland would be east of Luthadel. Or west, I'm sorry, west. Mm. I thought, didn't we at some point, maybe this was speculation on our part, but I thought at some point we had said that the Chandra homeland was supposed to be in the north, like near Terrace. I think that was speculation. I think that was one okay. of the guesses, because I don't think we have any information other than it being underground at this point about exactly where it is. Hmm. It's under the pits of Hathsin. <laughs> They're just hanging so, out there with all the yeah. people who used to climb down looking for Is that in the west? Rocks. The pits? Uh, the pits, let me, I, I brought the map up That's, when we were talking about this. I think it's northeast of Luthiel, isn't it? It is northwest. Northwest. Oh. Okay. Interesting. The candor just hanging out down there, and all of a sudden the terrorist people yeah. start just finding their way in, like, whoa, how'd you guys get here? <laughs> well, that's right, the terrorist, the terrorist people are there. Yeah, that's, so where they, yeah, that's where they set up shop. Hmm. Okay. 
good, uh, good, good, good predigmenting, Jamie. Uh, who wants to go next? All right. So at this at this stage, I think Ellen, where Ellen's story is going, he is going to have to lead a battle. Like he's going to have to lead an invasion into Fadrex. He doesn't want to do it, but everything about his story is pointing that way. He's going to have to just do the things he doesn't want to have to do and learn to live with the consequences. So that's where Ellen's arc is going. He's like. He's learned how to be a good emperor. Now he has to learn how to be a tough one uh, and do mm. the things he doesn't do the things he doesn't want to do to to save the city. So I think he will I think he will become seen in Fadrex as a conquering tyrant a bit, and he's just gonna go. All right, well that's what I got to do. So he takes over Fadrex. I think he will win the battle, but I think it's gonna be a bit of a bloody cost, especially now they don't have as many Coloss around. So I can't see things going too well for probably... him after that. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say that probably doesn't help uh, his case in Erto as well because there you've got no. Sazed up there going, no, 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 he's a man worth following. He's not Straff Venture. And if he starts to behave like Straff in some respects, even though we know as the reader that he's different in his beliefs and morals, we still, like everyone else doesn't know that. So if he's now yeah. going to go conquer and be ruthless, the people in Erto are going to put up more of a fight, I guess against joining yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's where this is all leading. Yeah. So yeah, Fadrex is Fadrex he'll take Fadrex at a high cost. Rumors will start flying all over the Empire and all the people who already don't like him are gonna double down on that and say, nah, fuck this guy. That's interesting. What what you guys said made me think of uh of the Avatar comics again because it's like Zuko doesn't want to be his dad when it comes to being Fire Lord, but then when things start turning really tough and he's not sure what to do, he goes to consult his dad in prison about, like, what would you do to, you know. And so it's like, he doesn't want to be his dad, but he ends up kind of His dad going has that direction in the role. Right. I might have consulted my dad in that case to then do the opposite, but, you know. To yeah, that, yeah that, that was that's my first thought. Like, let me let me find out what Ozai would do so I could not do that because he was a yeah. psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> also, why go to Ozai? You have Iroh, dude. But Iroh moved back to, like, the Earth Kingdom, so it's a long trip. Yeah, he went back to the Earth Kingdom, married oh, no, some lady, made tea. If, I, if only there was some way Zuko could travel through the air. <laughs> oh, that's right. His society invented Zeppelins. Yeah, okay, <laughs> that's fair. But, yeah, no, I think, like, so that's that's where I think Ellen's going to go, because the last few chapters have, the last few episodes we've done have really leaned on the whole Ellen wants to do the right thing, but people around him dislike him or think he's, like, Think think of him as worse than he is, and pe- and he's got Set telling him he needs to do make the hard choices. It's really just heavily pushing in that direction. So, and you could just tell that when he actually does make the hard decision and do what everyone's been sort of telling him you're going to have to do, they're all going to go, "Whoa, dude, too far." Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh huh. Poor Ellen. I don't. Know. I I don't feel like Set is the kind of guy who's going to be like, "Whoa, dude, too far." But everybody else, Set will be like, "Yeah, that's the way." Yeah, Set will probably be like, "I'm proud of you, my boy." <laughs> that's all i got i don't really have much else all right joe what do you got for us this week hmm okay um so man i don't know how vin's gonna deal with this coloss situation uh obviously they don't want to turn more people into coloss i wish there was some way to maybe reverse the process so maybe they'll figure something else out like that also i guess the skin is blue because it's dead I don't, I, don't, know. I don't know why it wouldn't turn black eventually, but... Maybe it's just part of the transformation. I don't yeah, know, weird. maybe it is. 
black magic. Also, like, <laughs> does their skin burst open? Is that why they need Kolos skin? I don't... Anyway. There's a lot of questions not answered here. Yeah, and also, I mean, like, does that mean Smurfs are really, like, <laughs> dead skin, tiny dead skin creatures? And we see kid Smurfs at some point. That doesn't answer the whether that doesn't answer the Venture Brothers debate about whether they're mammals or whether they lay eggs. But yeah, that's true. Uh, we do also, see kid Smurfs. Do you also, think doesn't Sm- doesn't Gargamel want to eat him? It's like, dude, you're eating yeah. corpses. He wants to use them in a magic potion. Yeah, he wants to drink corpses then. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, also, like, do you think Smurf eggs would taste good? Like, if you cracked them open and fried them? I I, I mean, don't maybe. know. Maybe, but they'd be they'd be pretty small eggs though, wouldn't they? Yeah, they'd be very yeah. small eggs. It'd be smaller than a quail egg. Yeah, well, it'd be like, uh, you know, maybe they maybe they reproduce by spores. Could be. You mm. know, they live in mushrooms. Gargamel wants to use them in a potion that grants, I think, immortality. So yeah. maybe it's worth drinking a couple of corpses for that. I mean, if there's any way to get immortality, I would guess that it's from drinking corpses. Black well, magic. He wants to make the Philosopher's Stone. That may be what it is. Yeah, because I think he wants gold. Yeah, I think he wants gold. That's what I was thinking uh, that's yeah. why I was like, maybe that's, I mean, the, the Philosopher's Stone is supposed to grant both, I guess. So. I think the cat wants to eat the Smurfs, and he wants gold. <laughs> oh, the cat. Osriel. Anyway. Uh, Smurfs, notwithstanding. Something's going on with these Coloss that has to be fixed. Doesn't sound like there's a way to turn them back into humans. I guess somewhere deep and embedded in their psyche is the fact that they were humans at one point. And that's why they want to be humans, because they think, well, I am still a human. I'm just, you know, mm. I look different. Yeah. So that's kind of sad, honestly. I don't yep. know why these, why the first Coloss were subjected to becoming Coloss. Maybe it was an experiment by the Lord Ruler gone wrong. And then he was like, oh, well, I did something wrong, but it, it feels right. Because now I got these Coloss. It feels Coloss. so good. Yeah. You know, bad of the bone starts playing. And so I'm a little concerned about the ethical ramifications that Vin's going to feel with these Coloss sending them to their death, knowing that hey, these aren't just, like, creatures. These people were human, you know? It's like, can we stop, like, we're controlling people that were at one time human beings. What's the ethical dilemma in that, if there is one? So could they even take Fadrex? Would they even subject the Coloss to killing and destroying things and possibly being killed when they now realize, oh, these people were human at one point? Right. So that's possibly a dilemma I could see facing our our heroes so lord ruler obviously was thinking things through that's why he made all these caches he was preparing this contract says it requires some kind of sacrifice on the part of the chondra mm. when it i think it would be interesting if the chondra each had to give up their blessings and inject them all into one person and make that person like a super being super chondra sure yeah okay. yeah like maybe Tensun would become the super chondra i don't know or if I mean we've now we now know that these hemolurgical spikes could possibly be put inside anyone and grant them some kind of power, so would they? Would the Lord Ruler have asked them to put all the hemolurgical spikes inside of him, Ooh. or is the Hero of Ages? If we do believe it's sazed, could he receive all the spikes from the Chondra? Because we know that these spikes don't have Ruin's voice in them, at least. Because if we're to believe the epigraph writer, they come from preservation. So I don't know if preservation talks to the Chondra. My guess is that no, he does not. I think, I think all the spikes does like, not. Get, take the power of preservation out of whatever. 
Yeah, but somehow Ruin's able to communicate with the alimantic hemolytical spikes yeah. and possibly the ferrochemical ones. Mm-hmm. So the ones for people that don't use alimancy, at least not that we've observed, I don't think they that the chondra are hearing whispers, at least not that we know of. Tensum yeah, the, never... con- the chondra and the coloss, uh, we don't, we haven't seen either of them like, yeah. talking to somebody who's not there or something. Right. Or coloss, I mean, coloss may have voices in their heads, but their brains are so messed up now, who knows? Yeah. But uh, I don't know, it'd be interesting if, if their sacrifice was to make some kind of super being and they had to give up all their blessings for that. That's a, that's a thought I've been having. And uh, yeah, this adenalsium thing, that we were talking about, uh, yeah, I, I have to think that we're probably not going to get the answer in this book. I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we're gonna, but it sounds like the epigraph writer is writing maybe after this book takes place. So uh, if he's still wondering about it now, after the book takes place, it's uh, probably not going to be revealed to us, not in this book anyway. Well, that's a fair so, point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's pretty much all I got. Uh, Spook, I, I think Spook's bound for trouble with what he's been up to. And, you know, maybe he is the survivor of the flames. But I uh, I really still don't feel like we're going to get good out of Spook. Um, <laughs> and if I'm just to put, and if people are like, oh, you shouldn't be so mean to Spook. If it's because I should pity him, I don't pity him either. So, I don't. You know, I don't think he's going to provide any good things, and I don't. I also don't think I don't think I have any pity for him. So you don't pity the fool. Got it. No, I don't <laughs> pity the. I don't. I, I don't pity the spook. I pity the fool that pity spook. <laughs> okay, okay, that's fair. Poor spook. He's 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 just misguided is all. You know. Poor spook. Kelsier's in his head telling him some messed yeah. up stuff. Kelsier, sure. There was a note in there. It's like when he was digging through the rubble, it's like, oh, if Kelsey gave me pewter. Could he give me steel and iron too? Yep, I'm thinking yep. to myself, well, you know, potentially if we're right. I mean, Jamie's called that <laughs> out more than once already. It's like afraid that Spook's going to be going down a dark road here where he's like, I'm going to start taking some more powers. Yeah. Make but myself a new Lord Ruler or something. It sounds like Spook maybe would figure out that he's going to be controlled if he puts more spikes in him like if he puts the third one second one in there and he's kind of like wait a minute this thing is like take it over at this point so maybe but also it would be really weird right it would also be really weird at this point with what what the what the voice kelsier has told him if that voice was just like hey remember how i told you just like keep that metal in you as as like a sign of who you are that now like you know that that marks you for who you are why don't you just put some more in there? Just shove, just shove some more in. That's it'll, it. it'll be great. Yeah, it'll be cool. If I put a second spike in me, does that mean there'll be a second Kelsia? Yeah. Can you imagine like three Kelsiers talking to you at once? That'd be so obnoxious. <laughs> That'd be really <laughs> aggravating. <laughs> He's like, sorry, I'm late. He's like, you're not late. You're inside my head. <laughs> <laughs> you're not late. Two of you are already here. Yeah. I've forgotten about Kelsier being late all the time. We just haven't seen him in yeah, so long. It hasn't been relevant, but yeah. Yeah, that was his thing. He was always late. That was his thing. He was like uh, the white rabbit, except he yeah. didn't care. <laughs> okay, for next time, we are reading four more chapters. 40, 41, 42, and 43. Four more chapters. In the meantime, let us look. We have a couple of emails. One is from Joseph, and 
Joseph says. No relation. <laughs> so something <laughs> happened during the last episode that really cracked me up. You guys mentioned how Sean was a tougher first Mistborn kill than Kelsier's first, and how Kelsier didn't intend for Vin to fight such a tough fight first. The thing that got me was the irony that if, in reality, if Kelsier had gotten his way, then Vin's first Mistborn fight would have been against the Lord Ruler. Haha. <laughs> Kelsier was a psychopath, <laughs> and in any other setting, he might have been a villain. That's kind of true. Kelsier loved killing dudes. I feel he did like love we to kill talk people. about that through the first book. We're just like really not comfortable with this guy. Yeah. Yeah, he had some issues for sure, but he'd been through some stuff. And he says he was a hero, but that was definitely a matter of circumstance. As always, love the podcast. Kind of sad that I'm all up to date now and can't just binge to catch up. But the upside is getting to interact like this wasn't till the time of next, Joseph. Thank you, Joseph. Thanks, man. It's true. I, I, I never thought about that Vin's first Mistborn fight would have been the Lord Ruler. That's hardcore. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you, you can kill Lord Ruler, right? <laughs> it also just seems like a bad idea. Yeah. You gotta, I wonder if Kelsier had a plan to find like another Mistborn and have Vin fight her eventually, or him, him or her. Or well, if he was just like thinking Inquisitors at some point. Like, surely that would be the logical warm-up. Yeah. Yeah, well, that didn't work sure, out yeah. too well. That didn't work out too well uh, the first time around when she faced an Inquisitor at his yeah. kind of at his side. She was not ready, but then again, there were like three of them. If there had only been three one, maybe yeah. Vin and Kelsier together could have taken him out. Well, even when Kelsier defeated the one Inquisitor by himself, he was kind of like, "Oh wow, I, I did yeah. it." He was he yeah. was not got a little bit surprised there, yeah. But I mean, lo- logic logically, it's like Lord Ruler Inquisitor. You like probably want to go for an Inquisitor first, maybe. No, that, that's that's definitely I, I feel like you want a regular yeah. Mistborn first, and then you work up to the Inquisitor and then, you, you know, yeah, no, man, go big or go home. <laughs> go big or go, OK, this isn't but, uh, uh, this isn't this isn't high school. This isn't college. It's not the minor leagues. It's the majors. Also, you know, we've established that Kelsey's plans aren't exactly the best case in point. Fucking Yedin. <laughs> that guy. Every time. Every time we we read Yeoman in this book, I was like, Yeoman? Isn't that that guy from the first book that died? No, that was yet. <laughs> Different guy. I've had, I've had the same thought a couple of times. Maybe Yeoman will be our replacement for Yedin. Just no, like Yeoman seems Cl- competent. Clubs got replaced by somebody crappy. Yeah, he seems a lot more intelligent than Yedin as well. You're not wrong. That's, yeah. Also, like like Dak says, he's competent. That, that, yeah, Yedin, Yedin's a low bar. Yeah. Yeah. I think the problem with Yedin in the intelligence department is, and something that maybe we just you know weren't thinking about, Yedin was a ska. Yep. He was yeah. not an educated person, and he seemed to be the dumbest person in the room, even though Vin was there and she didn't know <laughs> like hardly anything at the time. Yeah. He was. Yeah, he he just he didn't he didn't get it. He wasn't used to what was going on. Mm-mm. No. no. Actually, before we move on, just one random thought I like I had ages ago. I keep forgetting to bring it up. Like after the chapter where Kelsey where Kelsey is talking to Spook in his head, they look at Breeze and Kelsey's like, I never did like that guy. Because we talked last time about how uh, you know, Kelsey didn't like wouldn't say that, like, because you know, Kelsey generally liked him. Like, this is gonna be ruined trying to get Spook to turn away from him. Maybe it's not, maybe it's ruined just generally going, Man, fuck this guy. <laughs> Ruin doesn't like <laughs> even the immortal god is just like, Oh, Breeze, you're so annoying. <laughs> oh poor Breeze! Uh, Come on, he's grown on us since. Hey, the first I, I like Breeze. I've yeah. grown, I've gotten very fond of him. Right. Well, he's maybe still obnoxious, but maybe there's <laughs> yeah. more oh. to it than that, Dak. Maybe, just maybe, soothing, 
since it can control Condor and Coloss, maybe soothing is the way to to like overpower Ruin as well. Maybe that's why he doesn't like Breeze. Hmm. Interesting. But uh, you know, I'm just throwing random <laughs> stuff out. See Spook? what sticks. Spook doesn't think like maybe I can get me some soothing power. He's like maybe I can get no. some of that steel and iron. <laughs> Give me yeah. some of that soothing power. Well, I mean, the, like they haven't tried. I mean, well, actually, no, they have tried soothing uh, the Inquisitors in the past, and it didn't go so well. Maybe with Duralumin, they'll be able to sway those those guys as well. Oh yeah, we haven't seen an attempt at that. I don't think. So. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, yeah, and that we know that Conjure you can control that way. We know that Coloss you can control that way. We now know that both of them have spikes, so maybe there's a relation there. Inquisitors also have spikes. Mm, I don't know. Spikes. Rus- Rushek was just really into making stuff with spikes. He was yep. going to make a railroad and it didn't work out. And he's like, what the fuck am I going to do with all these now? <laughs> he, he made the spikes for the railroad first and then was like, oh, man, I should have thought this out better. Oh, wait, the steam engine is one of those technologies <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to invent. I should have thought this through. I didn't. He's like, I used up all the steel for the spikes, and I don't have anything left for the train tracks. Ugh. Uh, Charlie Brown. That's, uh, okay, we got one more email this week. This one is from Alex. And Alex says, hi, Sander Lanch crew. Hi, Alex. Uh, I found your podcast a few weeks ago, thanks to a Reddit post, and I've spent the time since catching up. Love the podcast. Jamie, Dak, and Joe, I've been very impressed with your predictions so far particularly Orsor being a Kandra spy. Data, I think you do a very good job of moving the discussion along without revealing any information. I think I would have slipped up by now. Hey, I, I, I have slipped up a few times, so, you know. Yeah, it's okay. We're, we're oblivious, so it doesn't matter. Uh, if you're interested, I have a bit of constructive criticism for Data. Boo! No, I'm just, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> these are just my opinions. Take them with a grain of salt. I think you should propose theories less often. I like when you ask the readers about different aspects of the story to get their mind moving in the right direction. But I think you sometimes will add on to the theories that are proposed, which seems a little ingenuine because you already know what's going to happen. That's just my two cents. I think overall you do a very good job. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've always noticed that you do that, and I'm like, this, he's just trying to fuck with us. What is he doing? Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's very obvious to me when you're adding on to our theory that I'm like, this, this, this dude already knows what's happening. So I just take it. As for what it is, I'm like, okay, well, I can't trust anything he's saying right now. It doesn't matter. See, the thing I, I have considered this several times in the past, and it's just fun for me, whether or not your theory is right or wrong, to be like, okay, so if that were true, then logically the next yeah, you're taking it to the logical conclusion is, and sometimes I do that with theories that you guys have that are absolutely correct. And I pull out, so logically, it could be like this thing, and it turns out that's really a thing that's going to happen. If you go back, there are a few of those. Most of the time, because most of the theories we randomly throw out are not right, right? Like 90% are turn out to be wrong, and only 10% turn out to be right or something. So most of the time, it's like something that's wrong. And I'm like, oh, so if that was true, then this, 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 and this that's fun for me. And I feel like it makes you guys think through your theories more. If I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. let me throw out like a logical next step and see if to you that your theory still sounds good at that point. Or if you can poke holes in that logic, then it, I think it generates discussion. Uh, yeah. And maybe for people who do know what happens, they're like, why, why are you wasting our time? Why are, why data did you just add 10 minutes to this discussion about something that you know is not true, but I think it's fun. And that's why I also, do. Also, I mean, there are a few people in our audience that might be reading along and, and 
and are right there with us like, oh, I didn't think about that. And, and I think a couple of us have pushed back on your conclusions of the past when you draw one. And we're like, ah, that's not really what I was thinking or what I meant. But uh, but yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Uh, so, yes, uh, Alex, your your criticism is uh, is something I have myself considered. And I landed on trying to increase uh, conversation and mainly trying to pull out some crazy stuff. It's like, oh, man, so if the Lord Ruler really is Vin's father, then that means like, why would they be trying so hard to capture her? So what like, did he lose her at some point? I'm, this is a discussion we had. We had it was like, so wait, because Joe really thought the Lord Ruler was her dad. So I was like, so, so does that mean he lost her? Or he never knew she existed, and they know, or yeah, like what, what, what kind of story would that lead to? And it's just it generates BTW. I still have the ideas. I kind of theory that I hold on to. I kind of assume that it's still like, hey, they haven't said for sure she wasn't. Like they haven't proved that uh, she wasn't. No proof. No proof. The burden of proof is on the book, not me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that that's true in this case. Yeah, I'm pretty sure (laughs) DNA tests were another technology that Rushek pushed back against. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was like, I got a lot of illegitimate kids. I can't have them come and try to get a piece of the empire. So no <laughs> DNA tests. <laughs> and It'll then, be one of those things that turns up in Brandon's annotations somewhere. Yep. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. By the way, yeah. uh, the Lord Ruler was or was not. <laughs> yeah, the Lord Ruler was like, I just took a DNA test. Turns out I'm 100% a horn dog. So I don't want <laughs> to know anything about these illegitimate kids. Well, yeah, maybe whatever. he's like, hey, hey, if I produce some strong kids, that'll make some strong inquisitors, and then I can control my kids. Oh, yeah, yeah that's, that's a good point. Car that's is totally his right son. There. Oh my gosh, <laughs> brain explode. Yeah. Yep. That that that's my head cannon now. Car was his kid. <laughs> and that's why he's so like, uh, like what was the word? That that's why he like lets him get away with the shit. Where Car's like, hey, I want to talk to you yeah. about taking over the ministry again. And he's like, oh, jeez. He's like, about this all right. Fine, fine. Okay, son, hit me with it again. Whatever. <laughs> this is Ka's version of playing catch. Oh. <laughs> Murder politics is, yeah. That's, that's... <laughs> it's like, if you let me run the ministry, they will come. Oh, okay. Before before we move on, Alex added something else in here, which is there's some spoiler information. So I'm just going to kind of take the gist of it. But his question is basically like, so at some point, there's some information that's given out in the actual books, but there's other information that kind of everybody knows at this point about like the bigger story stuff going on in the background that only comes from stuff that Brandon has said and that people have like spread his quotes around and be like, yeah, this is what's really happening there. So he's like, when it comes to that kind of thing, are you going to tell people's stuff or are we just going to be looking at stuff that's in the books even if we're missing some explanations that people or that it would make more sense if people had this explanation that uh, and i think that my answer to that would be that i've already even just this episode done some stuff where it's like hey there's a word of brandon that's what they call stuff that brandon has said words of brandon i'm like there's a word of brandon that says this and that will enhance your enjoyment of the story in my opinion so i give that information to you that's my idea yeah. forward, is if there's something that I feel will enhance things and not spoil things, then I will give that information at that time when it's appropriate. Yeah, I feel like you do a pretty good job of peppering in extra content that makes us go, oh, OK. Like now, human's backstory. Yeah, exactly. Now, the yeah. real question yeah. is, did you are you skewing the stuff to believe to to fit your actual theories of the overall universe and only giving us information that would lead us to those 
conclusions. Uh, I guess that's possible. I don't know that. I don't know. I mean, that, see, now, now I'm going to be introspective and have to consider that myself. Like, am, am, <laughs> I, am I unfairly skewing things in a direction? Hmm. Yeah. I feel like maybe somebody would have called you on it before now, but. I feel like most of the time, if something is not, like, a fact, if it's, like, this is my opinion, or if it's, like, this is, like, earlier where I was, like, this is what somebody said, and I have no idea if it's actually true, I feel like I, I preface that, because that's that's just my style of talking, where I'm, like, I don't like being wrong, so I'll be, like, sure, I'm pretty sure this is true, but I'm not 100%, so I'm gonna put that out there, because I don't want you coming back and being, like, you lied! And I'm, like, okay, well, yeah, this is, yeah, anyway. Well, you know, internet, I feel like that's the way you have to talk now. Anything you say that's like a statement is now taken as absolute fact. And if you're disproven, then people are like, well, I can't believe you would say that. And you didn't even know. And it's just like, yeah, come on, man. I can't know. It. No one can know everything. It's like if I'm going to wax on a subject. Yeah, I may have some of the figures wrong. I may have some of the facts, you know, incomplete. Don't uh, don't judge me, man. I'm just trying to live my life. I should probably also mention while we're on the subject that Brandon has actually said, it's like, Hey, this stuff that like when I go to a convention or a signing and people ask questions and I answer it, that is Canon until it's not until I get to a point in a book where I have to change that some, because I realize it doesn't work for the story. So right. um, there, there have been a couple of those where he said this works this way. And then later he came back. And he's like, Oh, actually that doesn't, I have to change that just a little bit so that it actually works as I'm writing the story. So it right. can happen. Well, it's just like anything that a creator says. It's like, well, yeah, dude, like I created it and that's how it works in my head right now. But if I get to a place in my story or in the logic of what I'm trying to say and that doesn't work anymore, then I've got the creative license to change it. That's it's right. my stuff. So, yeah, that I hope answered your question, Alex. Um, and he ends by saying, anyway, or I guess she, Alex, be a girl. I'm sorry. Anyway, that was kind of long. Thanks for taking the time to read it. Looking forward to hearing your future episodes. Thanks, Alex. Keep listening, please. We appreciate all the emails, uh, if all the, the thought-provoking and conversation-starting topics that come out of them. If anybody wants to send us an email, the email address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, which I think the last two weeks I failed to post anything to Instagram, so I need to do that. I got out of the habit when I went to Disney, and now I'm paying for it. All that said, and Music by Miracle of Sound, let's throw that in there uh, so that I don't Yay. forget. Yay! <laughs> That is all that we have for this week. Anyone have any final notes you want to throw out? Did you, uh, I, I may have not been paying attention. Did you actually say our email address? I did. Okay, perfect. No final anything. No, 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 no projects anyone wants to plug. Dax Play was already oh, over weeks ago. So. Yeah. Well, if you guys want to, wait, did I talk about this last week where I rage hardcore on YouTube? Yep. Yep. Okay, never mind then. <laughs> yeah, because I totally listened to it right after the episode because you talked about it. Yeah. For anyone who missed it, Dax, uh, I'm 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 just gonna claim that he was starring in Jersey Boys. He was in fact <laughs> no. all of the Jersey Boys were played by Dak in the one man show. <laughs> Can you imagine like and I was not the boys. <laughs> <laughs> you're like harmonizing with yourself somehow. It's like some freaky double vocal thing you're doing. Zoidberg style. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> anyway, no, so, I was I was just ensemble. It was great. There was one point where I shot a guy and some and one night with someone in the audience screamed, what the fuck? I came to see this lovely show about this band I loved in the 50s and why are people dying? <laughs> <laughs> Live theater, you can't make that stuff up.
I, I want to imagine that they just stormed out in outrage after that. Like, no one told me there would be shooting in this play. <laughs> yeah, or somebody who's, like, really uh, conservative and they don't like dancing and, like, I didn't know they were going to dance. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Shouldn't have come to musical theater for that. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a bad choice. <laughs> I thought they were just gonna stand there and sing. I didn't know there was gonna be movement involved. It's like yeah. when when we were we were kids and we went. It was like Christmas or something, and one of our cousins recommended watching uh like Monty Python and the Holy Grail. So the whole family oh, yeah. sitting there watching Monty Python and the Holy Grail, <laughs> and then one of them like the French guy says one swear word or something and our grandfather's yeah, like I, think I didn't the... know there would be cursing in this and then he stopped the movie oh <laughs> <laughs> i think it was the black knight called him a yellow bastard oh that may have been it yeah <laughs> yeah don't worry i eventually watched the full film <laughs> i think we'd already owned it at that point probably it's possible uh, anyway okay okay thank you everyone for listening come back next week for once again chapters 40 through 43 episode 11 of the hero of ages where we will be hitting i think we're gonna hit 50 percent next time so we're like right at the halfway point Woohoo! very exciting so wasing to the time of next everyone as the tiles of steel and stone crumble to dust the foundations of our hope begin to rust choking fear screaming sound as a reaper comes to ground, you turn to face it down because you must.